Today is our 50th episode of Keep It Fictional! Yay! Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Kareen from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Keep It Fictional podcast from the Port Moody Public Library. Now, I know I say this quite a bit when I'm hosting these episodes, but I think that it is especially true today. This is a very very special episode that we are hosting or that I am hosting today. As you can see, we have all pulled out our best attire. We have crowns, we have boas, we have bow ties, we have nicely styled hair and lipstick and quatchy hats. We have everything that we can do to make ourselves feel a little bit fancier and a little bit special today because today is our 50th episode of Keep It Fictional! Yay! So in preparation for today's episode, I looked up a couple of facts about 50th anniversaries. Now, one thing that is quite well known is that it is known as the golden anniversary. Uh, So if you are in a marriage, they often suggest that you give a gift of gold, which I think that today we are giving all of you a gift of golden, oh, oh, it's good. Just, just let me, let me, it's going to be good. Golden book picks, because we are going to be suggesting our very favorites, the very quintessential books that define who we are as people. And I think that you could truly agree that those are going to be golden picks for all of our listeners. Say, right? It was worth it. Yes. <laughs> Now, something else that I read in my research about the golden anniversary is that it says that the 50, usually years, uh, minds a wealth of the couple's experience in their marriage. And with the refining and all of the stuff that you've put into it so far, you carry an optimism for the 51st year and beyond. So I'm curious, do you think that after doing 50 episodes we have a wealth of experience in this podcast. Do, do we know exactly what we're doing now? Do we always feel 100% confident and comfortable when we're doing this podcast? And are we optimistic going into our next 51st episode? I, I feel like I did learn something because I did remember to remove my boa away from my microphone when recording so that the sound of feathers scratching up against it wouldn't have to be edited out later. So I felt like, yes, I have gained some experience. Putting our experience into practice. Very good. I like it, Kareem. Anyone else? Does anyone else feel like they have gained a, a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge from doing this podcast? I think I used to feel really nervous talking about the book and speak really fast. And now I'm more confident in my picks. I also like that you use the word refined. I think we've absolutely all become more refined through this experience. (laughs) So refined. I agree. I agree, Fiona. Liz or Virginia, what are your thoughts on our wealth of experience that comes with 50 episodes? I feel like I have a wealth of experience of 
well, I don't know, I wouldn't say wealth of maybe starting to have a bit of a knowledge of all my book friends, definitely learn a lot more about everybody. And as people pointed out, you all still continue to surprise me <laughs> always. So clearly there's still a, another well and more wells of everybody around. So yeah, definitely learn more. And I think all those existential questions, I, I don't think they get any easier. They haven't got any easier. And then just more and more, I'm just like, who am I? Like, I feel like, so more questions, definitely more questions. Well, I feel like Virginia, as in any relationship, you learn about yourself as well as the people that you are working with. And so I think that that is a very well put comment. Very good. (laughs) Yeah, we've definitely grown together in this partnership, this alliance this relationship. (laughs) Let's be real here. It's a relationship and we we're committed. Okay. We're committed to this. We're giving it our all. And despite the anxieties that we have with existential questions and what books are worthy to share with all of you, we power through it together. So yeah, definitely agree with everybody. We're a bit older. We're a bit wiser. Okay, jury's still out on that, but we've been through a lot together, each episode being, what, an hour? It's a lot of hours together. That's that's more time than I spent with a lot of other people (laughs) during this time, so happy to spend it with this group, with my book friends, and talk with them every week. Wonderfully put, Liz. Thank you. Well, with that, I think that we are going to get into our first book pick. So as I mentioned at the beginning, today we are talking about books that are truly representative of us as readers. So what book is, when you think about a Sadie book, when you think about a Virginia book, we've been doing this a lot as we've been trying to pick books for each other over the last few months as well. So what truly defines us as readers and what singular book we have had to narrow this down to one book for today what singular book have we chosen to represent us as readers for our 50th anniversary or 50th episode all right well i'm going to start today with liz liz what book did you pick for today's episode okay well this is a book that when i decided to talk about it, i thought have i talked this book to death Have you all heard about it so much? I think my colleagues have, my book friends, people who have asked for recommendations at work. I think I have tried to sell this book so much because I love it so much. But then I realized that I haven't talked about it on any of the 50 episodes of this podcast. So I'm bringing it to you here for number 50. I don't know if people who have listened to the podcast or know me would be would be saying, this is definitely a Liz book, but this book really touched me and made me love it so much. I just had to go out and buy it. And as I mentioned, literally tell everybody you have to read this book. So this is called, This is How You Lose the Time War. And it's by two authors, by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone. Now, first of all, you'll find this book in our science fiction fantasy section, which is not normally a section I gravitate towards. This book is also a romance, which again, I don't normally gravitate towards. However, above all else, this book is beautifully written. And it seems I'm not the only one who feels this way. 
based on many reviews by many famous authors. They describe this as poetry, as lyrical and vivid and intimate. Essentially, it is quality writing. So if you enjoy a good story that's fast moving, has elements of romance, has elements of a different world, then you may enjoy this book. Now, initially, when I picked up this book, I was skeptical because it involves the work of two authors. Now, how can two authors who don't cohabitate, who only have a professional relationship, how can they come together to write a cohesive work that brings you all of the emotion and all of the passion and all of the feeling that a story like this requires? I don't know how they did it, but I thought it was amazing. So essentially we've got two main characters and this is sometime in the future. It is a future in which there is warfare between two primary factions. One is called the agency and they are very technology based. And one is called the garden and they are very organic, however, very advanced. Now during this time, these two factions are able to travel up and down the chain of time through something that's kind of like, I don't know, DNA, some kind of hopping in and out of, of times and places and being able to send their agents into any of these times to commit subterfuge. So we've got Red who belongs to the agency and she's been traveling throughout time, either as an assassin or to plant the seeds of something that we won't see the results of for generations, perhaps. And we also have Blue, who works for Garden. And she is like Red's counterpart, but for a more organic faction. So these two are essentially assassins, spies, people for hire that are working against each other. They are the best in their business, and they know it. And of course, not only do they want to make sure that their faction is the one who ultimately is victorious, but they have their own personal pride too. They're the best at what they do and they wanna make sure that they're the best in any faction. Well, one day their paths kind of cross and they kind of develop this mutual respect for each other. Now, at first it's taunting in their correspondence because of course they're not meeting up in person, but they're leaving correspondence with each other throughout this chain of time. At first it's mocking, but then it develops into something more. A mutual respect is at first grudgingly given, and then that respect turns to admiration and a deeper appreciation for what each other does. And through those letters, through the sort of playful dialogue between the two, through the amazing ways in which they have to conceal their correspondence, because of course, if their superiors found out that they were liaising with the enemy, it wouldn't end up well. Throughout this correspondence develops this amazing relationship where these two solitary individuals doing something very specialized and very niche are able to appreciate and to found somebody who truly understands the other. Now, of course, being in two separate factions and having to conceal their correspondence, how is this going to end up? Will they ever be able to be in the same place together with each other? 
I love this book. I know I've said it already. I love this book. I love how the two different authors have alternated their chapters, first with a third-person description and then with the letter uh, from either red or blue to the other. Just the way they have done it is absolutely stunning in its writing. It makes you feel like you are getting a view into something that is very intimate, uh, very passionate, not in an explicit way, but in terms of going deeper into somebody's psyche and feeling what they are feeling. And ultimately, that's one of the things I really look for in a book. Excellent writing that makes me feel what the author wants me to feel about the characters. I want to care about the characters and about the story and to walk away feeling like it was time well spent. So definitely, if that is the type of writing that you are into and you're open to expanding your horizons to a different type of love story, this is how you lose the time war. Wonderful, Liz. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I remember when you first read that book, and I think it was one of your like favorite books of the year for the year that you read it. And I was, I, I don't think I guessed correctly because it was a bit more sci-fi fantasy than I originally had had thought you you would uh, gravitate towards. But after hearing you talk about it, I can I can understand exactly why it is a very Liz book and why you love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing. All right, Fiona, what did you bring for us today as your quintessential Fiona book, your epitome of Fiona today? Um, I'm very excited about this book. Now, I think I feel like if it was really, truly the most quintessential Fiona book, it would probably be like a Canadian queer graphic novel. Um, But, you know, we can't find one of those every week. So uh, this week, I have actually stolen a book from Kareen. <laughs> she, she says it's okay. That's something that has been challenging with this podcast. We read and present a book every week and often I get all these amazing recommendations from my book friends that I want to read but we can't talk about the same things over again. For instance, How to Lose the Time War, I have been saving for a rainy day for so long and I really want to read it. Yeah, it just it just sounds so good when Liz talks about it. But we always got to read new content. So that's why this one's perfect because this was one of Kareen's books she was looking forward to. It is Last Night at the Telegraph Club by Melinda Lowe. This is a YA queer historical fiction. Definitely one of my reading alleys. I'm not sure how much I've actually talked about it, but I do really love historical fiction. Like most things, it's not necessarily something I'm specifically gravitating towards, but when it includes those elements, because it's so educational, (laughs) I really, really love historical fiction. I was a little bit trepidatious about this read because Melinda Lowe's other work is YA fantasy. That just like never really drew me in. I think this is very different for the author and it is fantastic. So this is a story about Lily, who is Chinese American in the 1950s. She's a teen and she is discovering her identity as a woman who loves women. Uh, And of course, this is an extremely difficult uh, time in history to come to terms with those feelings. She's also dealing with the sort of 
stifling nature of the small community that Chinatown is. And nothing you do uh, can be secret. And her best friend, Shirley, is not very happy when Lily uh, makes friends with Kath, uh, a white girl in their school who takes Lily to the Telegraph Club. All of this is done under the cover of the night, secretly. Her parents don't know, which for Lily is a real separation from the kind of kid that she usually is. They go to the Telegraph Club to see male impersonator, Tommy Andrews, and Lily is just enthralled. She suddenly realized that this is a part of her that needed to be recognized. All within this, Lily is also excellent at math. She finds that the further she goes in math, the less girls are part of that field. Her ultimate goal is to become a computer at her aunt's company, where they do a lot of secret things that she can't talk to her about on building rockets. As a girl in the 1950s, this is already something that she gets a lot of backlash for. So how could she ever possibly let anyone know that she is a lesbian? It's a beautiful, personal read. Like Liz was saying, you really get a feeling of what Lily is follow that character and really come to love her and care about her. We also have Carthyism and this the, the fear of communism and false accusations about people in the Chinatown uh, community. Uh, just a really wonderfully done picture of this point in time that I have personally never come across another book with this particular perspective of a Chinese American exploring her queer identity in the 50s. So absolutely, if you're a YA reader, if you're a historical fiction reader, um, or if you like queer lit, this is a fantastic book to pick up. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Fiona. I feel like when Corrine mentioned that on the kind of anticipated reads that she was looking forward to, I also had kind of a similar reaction of wanting to definitely wanting to read it. And now that it's gotten two, two excited and glowing reviews, um, I will definitely pick that one up. All right. Well, next we are going to go to Corrine to see what book did make your pick for today. Thank you, Sadie. This was agonizing. Agonizing. You see these dark circles underneath my eyes? I mean, they're genetic, but also because I spent all last night trying to think about what is a book that is quintessentially me. This is more existential than any existential question that has ever been asked on this podcast. And I, I vacillated like, do I want to do a novel in verse? Do I want to do a middle grade? Do I want to do a light fantasy, a mystery, a romance, a middle school book, a true crime book, a graphic novel, a memoir, a nonfiction book about psychology? I don't know. I don't know. And early this morning, the book that I had eventually landed on, Virginia reminded me that I had already talked about. So I had to do some very quick, very efficient soul searching. And what I eventually landed on is... I think, a rather genius solution to this problem. And it is a book about books. It is a book about reading. It is a book about being a book lover. It is a book that kind of reflects all the joys, the highs, the lows of being a book person. 
And so I thought this would be the perfect book to talk about for our 50th episode anniversary with my book friends. And this title is by the absolutely wonderful uh, Debbie Tung, who her first collection was Quiet Girl in a Noisy World. And her follow-up, which I think is a must-have, I often actually just pick it off my shelf and flip through it every couple of weeks and find something that makes me laugh or I kind of see myself in these amazing little comics. It is her follow-up called Book Love. Debbie originally uh, started on Tumblr with the Where's, Where's My Bubble? collection of her little slice of life comics. And this is a beautifully curated collection of her wonderful little slice of life observations about about reading life, about what it is like to be a reader. It covers the the heartbreaking tragedy of when all of your library holds come in at the same time, and how do you choose which one to read first? It goes over that, that intoxicating whiff of new book smell. It also... And I really, really felt this one when you are buying a series and the like third one in the series comes out with a movie cover instead of the regular cover. And it looks so weird on your shelf and that kind of like frustration. It talks about how to deal with book hangovers uh, when you've read a really good book and you're just wrought out and what you can do. It talks about the hmm, apprehension, fear and list of rules about lending books to friends. The, the soul-crushing guilt of maybe stopping a book midway and not finishing it when you're not enjoying it. I get you, Debbie. I get it. I have plowed through so many books because of that guilt. Creeping on what other people are reading in public and having to do that kind of weird like, oh, I'm not really looking at what you're reading on the SkyTrain. I'm just looking at my phone like this. Uh, the techniques that you have to employ to do that in public and the eternal reader problem of too many books, not enough time. This is a beautiful, beautiful little book for all all readers. And kind of why I, I chose it and why I think it's a little bit representative of me as a reader is that it is charming. It is heartwarming. It is hopeful. It is all about that, that love of reading and about feeling all the feelings. And I think that she does just a wonderful job of conveying all these in the book and kind of really crystallizes what a love of book or what a really good book can do for you in your life. And so I, I heartily recommend book love, book love, book love. Wonderful, Kareem. I think that we have all definitely dealt with many of those issues in our lives. And I'm sure our listeners and our viewers have also felt the agony of all of your holds coming up at one time. It is the most wonderful moment and the worst moment all at once. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing, Corrine. And before we get on to our final two picks for today, we are going to pose our existential question. Now, this is a question that may have required a little bit of research on the part of my book friends today. Uh, so what I am asking them is, over our 50 episodes, what has been your favorite moment or episode. Now, I know it might be difficult to narrow that down to just one moment, so I think that we can be a little bit flexible if there are a few moments that we would like to draw attention to and bring up. Uh, but what has been some of your favorite moments so far 
in this podcast and as part of our book chats. So for me, I really enjoyed the uh, good book bad cover episode. Uh, it was probably a bit difficult for listeners, um, uh, you know, who didn't have the picture. Um, but I thought it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot about everyone's taste. When I went back to listen to the preview, I was reminded of Liz's cover, uh, which uh, prominently featured a, a bat. Um, and definitely the word crevice was thrown around. Um, and I think that if anybody was listening to that, like there's no way they didn't look up the picture to find out what was going on. <laughs> yes, that was a wonderful moment. I think that uh, the descriptions that maybe we give of the book covers when we don't realize that people can't see them are uh, <laughs> are always a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you, Fiona. My favorite piece of trivia about the podcast is that if you search Keep It Fictional in Google, the fourth result is a BTS fanfic, um, which I (laughs) discovered in doing research for this and was well pleased by that. Well pleased. Um, I think I, I, oh, see, and Sadie, you rightfully pointed out that some of us are going to cheat, is that I had a couple of favorite moments. Um, One of them was the revelation of Virginia's intense spreadsheet, which just blew my mind away that it's not just a list of books oh no there's categories there's pivot tables there's everything so that was a big moment the revelation sorry Sadie that you don't collect entire series (laughs) kind of changed my life um so that was that was really revelatory the fact that Fiona read and enjoyed the weight of blood is something I'm still grappling with to this day it just, it just doesn't quite compute. And I can't remember exactly the title. I tried going through and I couldn't find it, but there was a book that Liz read that was popular. <laughs> that was actually popular and was like, was like a book that was in like Oprah magazine. I was like, oh, big moment. Such a fun age, I think, like Kylie Reed. Yes, it was such a fun age. Yeah, it blew my mind, Liz. It blew my mind. So those were a couple of my highlights. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Corrine. And Liz, what about you? Do you have any favorite moments of the podcast so far? Oh, every episode is so fun. And, you know, like we've said already, we've learned so much about each other. And, you know, we've seen like all the feelings come out being like so passionate about books. And, you know, everybody has their quirks and just how they talk about their books and it's so great I love how that you know we've got five different individuals but we're all here for the same purpose um but what I keep going back to because it cracked me up so much was our uh 2021 adult and teen summer reading club episode so we're still in the midst of uh that and basically we've got a giant board game that looks like a mystery mansion no copyright infringement intended please don't come after us And so there's like a kitchen and the living room and a dining room and a bedroom. And we're talking about, okay, so where is your, where in the mansion are you reading now? (laughs) I can't even. And and then dear Fiona, dear Fiona is so enthusiastic. And they're all like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm reading this great book. And you know, how did you put it, Fiona? It's right up my alley in the bedroom. And I'm like, wow, 
Wow. That, I just, I think, did I have to turn my camera off at that? I don't know. I had to stay on mute for a long time. I just, I just, yeah, I just had a great laugh. I was in tears. So thank you, Fiona, for that wonderful off-the-cuff moment. Pretty sure the exact phrase was, that's where my skills lie. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I'll say again that I was talking about sleeping. <laughs> So while we are a podcast for all ages, occasionally, <laughs> some things come out in maybe not the way that we had originally intended them to. <laughs> and it provides us with quite a bit of entertainment. So thank you, Liz, for bringing up that moment and Fiona. All right, Virginia, what about you? Is it a similar moment? Is it a different moment? It's the exact same moment that is the one I thought about right away when you asked that question. What is my favorite moment? That was it. Nothing, nothing can top that, I don't think. So yeah, very fair. I think that my favorite, one of my favorite moments is when we first started this podcast, and I know we've brought it up a couple of times, and Fiona, another Fiona moment, mentions that they did not like genre fiction and the outrage that came following that comment, the absolute gasps of horror, and that was definitely one of my favorite moments. Um, I think also, though, the fact that, so all of us pick these topics and pick these genres to read and they don't always fall in all of our wheelhouse for reading. And so I think that that has been one of my favorite moments in preparation for this podcast is all of the different types of books and different books that I have had the chance to read and, and seen all of my fellow book friends read them as well and kind of seen the reactions to genres that you might not have originally gravitated towards and sometimes it's great sometimes it's not I think that we can all admit that sometimes there are topics and genres that we will probably not go back to that we read for this podcast and that is okay as well uh, but it has just been wonderful to experience that myself as well to um, to see all of all of you and the picks that you have chosen whether whether it was your genre or not Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And um, I hope that you, all of our listeners and our viewers will share as well. Uh, a little bit later, I will have some information about how you can go about doing that. But I think that we are going to get to our final two book picks. So Virginia, what did you bring for today's episode? Like you said, I think many of us felt like we have evolve as a reader. We have changed as a reader. Even since the beginning of this podcast over a year ago, I think it's thanks to my book friends. I feel like I have definitely gone into explore some new territories and, you know, changed sort of the way how I think about books. So the book that I chose today, I feel like represents me as a reader at this moment. I think unlike uh, Fiona, I will never change my passion for genre fiction for speculative fiction. It's only getting stronger and stronger. But I think these days, I'm not really just satisfied with kind of a straightforward telling, even if it is done really well. It's just, it's just not quite enough. And what I feel like I need my books to do is to go beyond that, is to take those 
themes and conventions and tropes. Take all those things that people often associate with a science fiction, with a horror, with a fantasy, and take them and reinvent them. And to make them unconventional, to amplify those voices that we haven't heard quite yet in those genres, to entertain, of course, but also to make me kind of think about the world around us. And what I absolutely hurts my brain is when I come across a book that I have to try to put in my spreadsheet and I'm like, I don't know where you belong. Are you a horror? You could be a horror, but you also, for lack of a better term, literary. So I don't know where you are. And I feel like those are the books these days that I kind of gravitate towards is when I don't know where to put you is hurting my brain when I have to do my spreadsheet, but I also love it so much because those are kind of the books that I've been reading these days. And so this book, I feel like fits into that not category. And it is a book that I feel like, and it's, it's, a, it's a gross but fitting metaphor for this book, is that it feels like it just completely swallowed me up. When I'm inside, I'm like, oh, where am I? What is this? What's going on? And then once it finally, like when it finally spit me back out, and like I can feel all the goo and the gross and the stickiness everywhere. And I can't get rid of it because it changed you as a person. And that's the kind of book that this book is. And that's what it sort of did to me. And I kind of feel like it's totally cliche, but I feel like this is the book that you have to experience. And, you know, no description is going to give you a sense of what this book really is. And so the book that I want to talk about today is Build your House Around My Body, and it's by Violet Coopersmith. And it is a book that came out a couple months ago. And I love this book to pieces. I love this book so much. And I really wish that more people will give this book a chance. I feel like not enough people are talking about this book, and it is just the best. The main underlying story that we follow is about 22-year-old Winnie, who is a Vietnamese American who has gone to Saigon to teach English. Being a biracial person, she is, of course, not American enough in America and not Vietnamese enough in Vietnam and always feeling like an outsider. And as she pointed out, with her three very successful brothers, one a lawyer, one a doctor, the other an engineer, there really is no more room for her and no expectations of her in this American dream. So coming to Saigon, she thought, maybe I will just let this old Winnie die. I'll reinvent myself. I'll try to be somebody else, maybe through teaching. But she soon realized she has no interest, really, in teaching and no talents in it either. Unlike all her fellow teachers that are also together and also earnest, they get their lessons planned like, you know, way ahead of time. They are so passionate about teaching. She has none of that. And very soon, she's just completely given up. Like, she's just like, you know what? My classes are going to be these unstructured English conversation groups. And she will just sit there read her Japanese detective novels while all her students just play on their phone. And it kind of works out well for everybody. It's a win-win situation because she really doesn't have that passion. And not only that, in Saigon, she has made no friends. She has made no relationships. Sure, she sometimes hang out with her fellow teachers and they go drinking, but 
there is just nothing lasting. She has formed no attachment to this world. And every day after work, she will go hop from one coffee shop to the other. She doesn't even want to become a regular in a coffee shop. She'll take a bus to like a faraway place just so that she can remain anonymous and spend her day there until it is time to go back to her aunt's house when she knows that her aunt is already asleep because she does not need the chastising. She does not want the disapproval from her aunt of her life choices. Even after she moves in with Long, a secretary at the school, it was still not really a relationship. Yeah, there's a physical relationship there, but it is kind of this just this arrangement that they have, and it's definitely not love. And then Winnie disappears. One day Long woke up, Winnie is not there. When he comes back home from work, she's still not there. She has completely disappeared. Now, listening to a description of this story of an expat trying to find themselves or reading the blurb of the book that talks about century of post- colonial and pre-colonial Vietnamese history, you'll be like, that's not a Virginia book. What is this? Well, it's because I haven't told you about the ghost hunters from the Saigon Spirit Eradication Company headed by a man named the fortune teller who may or may not be human. I haven't mentioned the two-headed cobra and all the snakes that pops up in all the different narratives in this book. I haven't talked about that body in a well. I haven't talked about this little dog that may have swapped souls with another human being. And I haven't told you about the smoke, this menacing smoke that just permeates throughout the pages and that wafts in and out of the story. And many, many more horrors that made up this fever dream of a story, which is exactly what I love. And of course, with not just with all these elements, but the storyline is it goes out of sequence and it jumps all over the timeline, which is again another thing that I love. Not just multiple point of views, but also just like you just never know where this thing is happening. And every single part of this story is all structured around the disappearance, maybe more than one. And it's days before, after the disappearance, sometimes months or sometimes even years before and after. And with so many elements, with so many things going on, it is really a testimony to the skills of Violet Cooper-Smith, who managed to wrangle everything in this story and make this make so much sense. And what I find was so delightful was that a little bit farther into the book, I'm like, wait, 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 wait a second. Is that Staten hat the same one that got dropped from a car in that other chapter? Or like, wait, this person that Winnie just met, could it be? Once I started seeing these connections, this became the most fun connect the dog game because there was just so many things. Then you realize nothing in this book is just there to fill the pages. All of them is there for a reason. From the first chapter when Winnie got off the plane in the airport and saw this, there's something rustling in the bush and she was about to just poke at it and see what it is. From that little sound that she experienced, it's going to come back and haunt you. And every single element of this book will return 
and you'd be like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that was that. And then it was just, everything was done so well. The story was intricately plotted. The writing is super good. And all the metaphors and all the similes that is used in the book, everything is just right. It is so good. You can't think of a better way to describe some of the sounds, describe some of the experience. It is a book that like, I truly got lost in and I love, love, love so much. It has everything I need and want these days from a book and then some. So I really hope that someone out there will give this a try. So it's, it's horror, it's historical, it's, I don't know what, it is just everything. So it is Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Cooper-Smith. Wonderful, Virginia. Thank you so much. I love how even your description of how you feel after reading the book is like, is based in horror a little bit, where you are still covered in the goo. Of... <laughs> I appreciate that. I do. Wonderful. All right. Well, for my pick today, I have actually gone back to a book that I read uh, quite a few years ago. And this is a bit of an older release. It came out in 2005. And it is a series, which is not surprising. It is not just a series. It is the beginning of a multi-series group of series that are all connected to each other and then also branch off into other series. It was very confusing when I was reading it because they're even listed as this series book number three, but this other series book number one. And so trying to make sure that you're reading them in the right order was a little bit confusing, but this one is definitely book number one of the entire series. It introduces the world. It introduces the characters. Uh, it is a, I think it is usually classified as a YA fantasy. It sometimes I think might be considered a new adult fantasy, uh, but Yelena, our main character is uh, kind of a later, I think she's 19 um, in kind of ages a little bit up throughout the series. Um, and this book is called Poison Study by Maria V. Snyder. And as I said, I read this book uh, quite a few years ago and pretty much devoured everything in that series and then looked for everything else that this author has read. As you know, that is something that I do like to do when I find an author I like. I go out and I search for absolutely everything else that they have written. There is one I have not read of hers because she does delve into more of a sci-fi genre for her second series. Um, and so I've read the first one of that, but I did not continue on with that series, but maybe one day. Uh, but this book, Poison Study, takes place in the kingdom of Ixia, and it is a completely fantastical world, and it follows Yelena. And when we first meet Yelena, she has been in prison, and she has been in prison for quite a while, um, probably about a year at this point. And she's in prison for murder, and it is a murder that she committed. She knows perfectly well that she killed this man, and he might have deserved it for the treatment of her and the other women that she was living with. But regardless of that, she did kill him, and so she is now in prison serving her, her sentence. Now, Yelena is removed from her prison cell at the beginning of the book and is being taken to her execution. Yelena knows this. She has more or less come to terms with her fate. She admits to her guilt in this moment and knows that this is, this is the price that she has to pay for, in her mind, keeping people safe that this man would have hurt if she did not kill him. Now, when she is brought into the execution room, 
the executioner is there and another man is there and he tells her that his name is Valak and he works for the commander of Ixia and he is giving her a choice and the choice that he is giving her she can go and be executed that's her choice if she feels like she deserves that or she can stay alive and serve as the commander's new food taster. So as her role as food taster, Yelena, as it sounds, will be responsible for tasting all of the commander's foods to make sure that there is no poison in them. So this is not a safe job. It is definitely a dangerous job. There's the potential that she will be poisoned and die regardless in the line of her work, but it is not a sure death where the execution would be. Yelena decides that she's going to take this opportunity. Her only other option is death, so why not? Uh, she toasts to Valak. He gives her a toast and she toasts to him. And then he tells her that the toast that he gave her was actually poison. And he will give her the antidote if she vows that she is going to stay and fulfill her duties. She doesn't really have a choice, so she takes the antidote. He tells her that this particular poison is kind of a time-release poison, and so she will continue to need the antidote. And if she does not get the antidote every day, then the poison will eventually kill her, thus binding her to Valak and keeping her in this role as the commander's food taster. So Yelena decides, well, that's Nothing else I can do really at this point. I'm going to die if I leave. I'm going to die if I go to the execution. So I may as well just stay here. Now, Yelna has a secret that she does not dare to tell a single person because in the land of Ixia, magic is outlawed. They know that magic exists in a land very close to Ixia. There are lots of magicians, lots of people who practice magic, but in Ixia, it is absolutely forbidden. And Yelena has magic. And so she holds this secret as she goes on with her training to become a food taster and as she finds her place in this castle amongst the staff, amongst the commander, among with Valak, who she learns is the commander's chief of security and kind of his his spy so kind of the story continues on like that there are lots of twists and turns we learn a bit more about the commander's past we learn a bit more about how the commander gained power and we learn a bit more about the magic that exists in this world and how Yelena is connected to it, how Yelena's past comes into play. And then we also see a little bit of a romance blooming between Yelena and Valak, which I always enjoy a little bit of a romance in my stories. And you kind of continue on that way. There are twists and turns. There are betrayals. Yelena's past comes back in a way the man that she killed uh, his father comes back to seek his revenge and she's having to deal with that as well so there's kind of lots going on in this story lots of twists and turns and yeah lots of things that kind of keep you engaged keep you reading it was very fast paced which I really like for lack of a better term you don't have to think about it all that much which is nice sometimes <laughs> You really don't. Um, and 
And if you want a series, there are so many books that kind of branch off from this one, um, apart from just the the main series of this. Um, so if you like the characters of Yelena, if you like the characters, if you like the world that is created, then there is so much to read in this series and in this world. So that, again, was Poison Study by Maria V. Snyder. It's such a perfectly Sadie book. It has all the elements. Perfectly Sadie book. I also really enjoyed that book. So yeah, it's kind of like if you've kind of aged out of Tamora Pierce and Mm -hmm. you just want like magical kingdom shenanigans with some kissing, then it's a good (laughs) one. (laughs) Exactly. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much to all of my book friends for sharing your quintessential picks of who you are as a reader, what book you feel like, at least for today defined you as a reader. I feel like that's important to note that it might change day to day what book is defining us as a reader. And thank you so much to everyone for listening today. Now, before we go, I would like to tell you all about a bit of a contest we are having. So because it is our 50th anniversary, we wanted to celebrate not just with ourselves and and all of our book friends, but also with all of our listeners and our viewers as well. And so anyone who is listening or watching We encourage you to share with us your favorite moment, your favorite episode, or maybe if there was a particular book that you were, um, that was recommended to you from this podcast or that you found extremely exciting to read because you heard about it on this podcast. Um, there, There are a couple of ways that you can let us know about your favorite moments. If you are watching us on Facebook, just comment on the video and uh, we will enter your name in a draw. And then if you are listening on our podcast today, uh, you can email us at askthelibrary at portmoody.ca. And again, just let us know what your favorite moments have been. If you are watching the Facebook video, we also encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode of Keep It Fictional. You can find us on any of our your standard podcasting apps. Uh, you just search in for Keep It Fictional. If you're Googling it, you might find a BTS uh, fan fiction. Fan, yeah, okay. So, I mean, maybe explore a little bit, see what else you can find. <laughs> All right. Uh, So again, if you are listening, you can email us at askthelibrary at portmoody.ca. Or if you're watching on Facebook, you can comment on our video. And if you can let us know by September 7th, that is Tuesday, September 7th. And we will do a draw from everyone who sends us an email or comments. And there's going to be a wonderful prize that will be sent out to you. Well, thank you again, everyone, so much for listening today. And thank you so much to my book friends today for sharing your reads with us and for joining us for our 50th anniversary. 50 episodes. It's a lot of episodes. (laughs) All right, everyone. We will see you back for episode 51 next week. I hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional.